I don't have any of those. says hella fast. <laughs> I don't know what state it was, but shout out to the black Mustang with the hella fast vanity plate. <laughs> they were indeed going hella fast. Well, trying. The problem with uh, the interstate is that there's like other cars on it too. So, mm -hmm. You know. You need to get that thing down into a drainage ditch or whatever they used to. Salt flat. Salt flat. Salt flats in Utah or something. I was thinking of uh, Greece. What is that? Oh, yeah, that was like a, like a culvert or something. Yeah, that's where you do your, your racing, your muscle car racing. Anyway, the house is a mess. Yeah, uh, I just feel like we should hold that because, like, I think, it, because I encounter people in, in my daily life all the time. And you and I were talking about this at breakfast. But, like, I encounter people in my, in my life all the time who are like, oh, you're so organized. Oh, yeah, yeah. And everything is so tidy. And I'm just like, this is fake. <laughs> and I always try to tell people, I'm like, this is fake. Like, this is years and years and years of practice in two areas. One in hiding that I don't know what I'm doing and I can't control my space and my stuff. Right? You know, people who experience trauma and who have mental illness and um, who have disabilities or neurodiversities like ADHD and autism and stuff like that, we really have really, really good at hiding it and masking it. So this is, you know, years and years of practice at masking, number one. And number two, this is years and years and years of practice at or you know, of trying every single organizational system available on human on human earth. Right? And on human earth. Failing at most of them. <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, sticking, you know, kind of, sort of, almost sticking with something like that, right? Because, at least in a professional context, I understand that if it looks like it's all put together, people kind of leave you alone. <laughs> Nobody worries about you. Like, and that's, it stays off your back. That's everyone's goal, is just to be left the heck alone. Well, that is, like, that has, like, been the goal of my lifetime, right? Because if you... If people leave you alone, they don't look too closely at, like, you know, what's hiding under the rug. Or, like... Are you hiding things under the rug? Not anymore. But I spent a long time doing that. I mean, I just vacuumed the rug yesterday. Did I need to get underneath? <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. Right? If, I put it in the closet, personally. If it looks like... If it looks okay, a lot of people are willing to believe it's okay. Yeah, I was thinking about this yesterday... Not this specifically, but kind of this. Related. I have been doing my job for numerous companies, numerous people, numerous bosses, for 15 years. And I'm sitting at my desk yesterday looking at uh, a screen of whatever and just being, you know, dumbfounded, frustrated, whatever, trying to work something out and, like, feeling like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I feel like I'm always, like, people are telling me I'm doing a good job, and I feel like I'm faking it, and I always feel like that. And to start with, maybe I was, like, I've never been, I've always been, or this is the thing that made me successful in my first revenue, not made me successful, but the people 
seem to appreciate. And so I found a reason, right? A lot of people in, in my field feel like they need to have the answer to every question. Oh, mine too. But, you know, I would, we would be in these corporate meetings and because I was 27 or whatever, didn't know any better, I would just say, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I can find out. And people were like, oh, that's so refreshing. Like, that's the truth. Like, that's just what it is. Like, I, if I don't know, I can't tell you that. I mean, I, I could tell you that I know, but at some point you're going to get tripped up. And I suck at lying. You do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always promise my students, like, the beginning of every year, like, you know, I may not be the best teacher that you ever have. I almost certainly won't be the most fun teacher that you've ever had. Um, but I will always be honest. And so I will tell them, I'm like, no, I made a mistake. Or, no, I don't know. Or, hey, look, I was rushing through what I was doing this morning, and here's a typo. Or... Yeah. So I was going to say, you know, there's this, like, fake it till you make it. That's a saying. And whether... To extent that works. Yeah, whether or not... Right, yeah, that's like, if you smile, you will be happier. Yeah, because it releases endorphins. Right, so fake it to, like, if you, right, if you can fake it sufficiently, I guess, for a certain amount of time, eventually you will learn what you're doing. And I know, like, uh, I know that I know what my job is and how to do it well and, and all these other things. And 15 years on, I still feel sometimes like I have no idea what I'm doing, right? I have gotten accolades and awards from management companies, brands, like, all that stuff on my resume looks real good, and I, I'm pretty sure that that's accurate, right? Like, I, I didn't fake the, the results of my job performance, so, you know, I feel like if you're ever, if you're faking it to a point where you've ever made it, and you feel like you've made it, you might need to check yourself. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm good at my job, but I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah. I have I have developed a skill set so that in the moment when I don't know what I'm doing, I can figure out what I should do next. Mm. Right? Because that's, that's ultimately the skill that you build is, you know, I know where I want to go. How do I take one more step in that direction? How do I take one more step in that direction? How do I take one more step in that direction? And so that is the skill set that you build. Not that you gain this like miraculous insight into doing your job and how to do it well because I work with 10 year olds these people show up every day and they are different humans from the people they were the day before mm -hmm. and that'll be true until they're like 20 <laughs> yeah. and so there is no universe in which my day goes smoothly like perfectly smoothly it does not happen you cannot put that many people in a space together with that many raging hormones and that much confusion and that much that many self-esteem issues and like all that you cannot put a group together with all that stuff and expect the day to just go, you know, like frosting. Perfect. <laughs> it just doesn't it doesn't happen. And so what I'm good at is leveraging the skills that I have learned, whether through education or through experience, to figure out, okay, what do I do next? And if I say the wrong thing, how do I apologize? Or if I do the wrong thing, how do I get that back? Right? Those are, those are the valuable skills. Right. But both, 
both of these things, the things that we're talking about, admitting ignorance or admitting that you don't know something, but that you're willing that you're willing to learn, I think that's important. But admitting that you don't know something, or knowing how to knowing when to apologize, knowing when to admit that you're wrong, quintessentially un-American. <laughs> like, well, in my classroom, we call these you know the moments of wisdom when you can say, I don't know, or I was wrong, or I'm sorry, or I need help. I need help was hard for me for a long, long, long time. Um, so those moments, those are the moments when you are wise. So you can do something stupid and then be wise about it. Because there's always, like, you have another moment, so you get to try it again. Yeah. And so, <laughs> basically my whole job is... To a certain extent, to just kind of model how to how to adult in this fashion, and also, and also early to, American history, and also to teach them about the Revolutionary War. Um, I've been charging my students taxes. Mm, I love this. And um, some of them are really heckin' mad at me. <laughs> well, you know, you are the king. Uh, because I'm the king. Um, but they are all starting to get the point. Hey. And I have sent kids to quote unquote debtors prison <laughs> this week. And um, so if they don't have the money, to, I pay them a salary based on their colonial job, right? And if they don't have the money to pay for their paper or their pencil or whatever, because all of those things are taxed mm -hmm. um, under our versions of the intolerable acts and what have you. Um, then they have to go to debtor's prison and do hard labor, so they do service to our school community if they can't pay their taxes. And so some of them have come back from their hard labor and been like, okay, I kind of actually like that. <laughs> right? Like I sent a student on Monday or Tuesday, I sent a student to first grade to do hard labor, um, and she read, like, did small reading groups with first graders, mm -hmm. read to them. And um, it turns out she really enjoyed it, right? I've sent kids to go out and clean up, like, the green space in the playground, like, pick up playground balls and return them to the bins by the doors so that people can play with them. And um, I, sent two I sent two students on Wednesday to help kindergarten and first grade clean up after lunch. I may have scored those two for life. <laughs> It's not usually a statement that's followed with laughter. Um, well, they made every they were, they were both, like, horrified by what it takes to clean up after a kindergartner at lunch. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure. But yesterday, um, I saw a kindergartner run up and hug one in the hallway. So I think that, you know, we're, we're building some bridges here, too. <laughs> but, you know... I just always tell them that, yeah, it's important that you learn about the, the content or whatever, but it's more important that you learn, you know, how to, how to grow as a person and how to, you know, learn how to learn new things, how to know when you don't know them, how to take on new information and change 
your opinion or your belief structure because you've learned new information. Like that's a it's a big concept to a ten year old. And it's a big concept to some adults too, right? Like Mhm. Oh yes. Like I I take it as a great compliment when um, I get into I don't argue with people about politics. I engage in discourse, and uh, I take it as a great compliment if, when that discourse is over, you know, it's not that they say, "Oh, you were right." It's that they say, "You've given me something to think about." Like that's that's all I like. That's the goal. That's the yeah. I mean, um, we're almost there, so probably we should wind down. I mean, not like we're not going to keep talking to each other, but... I don't know, we can cut bits of this and use it for like two or three weeks, maybe. <laughs> oh, maybe. If I can, yeah, if the audio works. Um, I was just thinking about, while you were talking about giving things people to think about, I was thinking about, I have my, I have really two weekly meetings that are related to the core of my job. And both meetings involve members of the sales team, my boss... Huh? Um, and one of my s sales managers, well, the director of group sales, I guess. You know, every time we have one of these meetings, she she doesn't like she doesn't thank me for you're doing a great job with managing this computer system or right. She she thanks me for being responsive. Um, being giving explanations for the decisions that I'm making rather than just telling them no or telling them yes, um, right? She thanks me for like, being a reliable coworker, partner, and that I think is better than you. You really got the system set up properly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because ultimately, you know, the ho and this is just this sounds schmoopy dooby hippy dippy, I guess, but the hotel won't do well unless the team works well together, and the only way to do that, like, you don't have to like everyone that you work with, right? But, you know, you have to be respectful uh, and give them the respect that they deserve and time to speak and listen and listen to their ideas and vice versa. Otherwise... Well, I tell my students all the time, because they'll come up to me and they'll be like, oh, so-and-so is annoying me. I'll be like, okay. So what happens now is going to say more about you about them, right? Because now we're we're in the part that you can control. So what are you going to do now that shows that you value that they are human and respects that you know that's the choice that they have made, and now you're going to lead with love and make your own choice. What's the choice that you're going to make now? And a lot of times they'll say, well, I'm, I'm going to choose to walk away. And in a 10 or an 11-year-old boy in particular, <laughs> that is a big win. If they choose to walk away instead of, like, getting back up in that kid's face and being like, you're annoying me. Oh, yeah. Because if they begin in a name was I was a 10 and 11-year-old boy once. Yeah. Um, Not at the same time. So we talk a lot about, like, an advisory and stuff about how you can go love first into the world and still choose to walk away from things that, that don't suit you, and that you should, 
walk away from things that don't suit you, right? Friends that bring you to hand, that aren't really friends that bring you down. Like, situations where you might get into trouble, like, you should walk away from those things because that's, you know, leading with love for yourself. And so we talk a lot about, you know, how do we respect all of us as humans? Like, how do we get to the end of the day thinking that we have all done our best, you know, as humans? And I'm very pleased to say that this week in the cafeteria, when one of our wonderful cafeteria workers spilled a bunch of silverware on the floor, she was like swarmed with fifth graders who were picking it up. <laughs> and that may seem like such a small thing, but especially in the pandemic, where they did not get practice interacting with other people. Uh-huh. And you know, they had to stay physically distant from people, and it was difficult to help people and see the humanity and people at that distance. Um, this is a, actually a big achievement for a bunch of kids who haven't, like, had practice at human age since they were eight or seven. So, um, that was a big deal. Even though it seems like it's really small. Because at the beginning of the year, they all would have been like, well, those are my forks. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's wild. Seven or eight. Because, like, the pandemic feels like it has gone on forever and everyone says things like, time has no meaning or this is all just the same year stretched out or, or whatever but for a kid like that amount of time is it's paralyzing it is paralyzing to not be able to build empathy to build social skills to build relationships with your peers to learn how to interact with your peers in person i mean it is for some kids especially it is almost an uncrossable point. Well, I mean, as proven anecdotally by people losing their minds when airlines first opened back up, like screaming at flight attendants or just the way that people treat nurses and medical professionals. I think a lot of that has to do with the, the anonymity of the internet. Oh, yes. Michelle Borber wrote a great book called Unselfie. About how the distance between humans caused by the internet creates this inability to feel empathy for other people, and it just really damages kids and teenagers, especially their ability to feel empathy if they only interact with other people, you know, through Discord or through, you know, the chat feature on Fortnite or something that really inhibits their their ability to develop um, and to see modeled empathy skills and social skills. And so it's really important. And this has been, a, you know, this is why not needing to um, wear masks in school has been such a game changer. It doesn't have anything to do with comfort. It has to do with the fact that they can see each other's faces. And so kids have to be able to read emotions in other people's faces to understand what's going on, but that's a practice skill. And these kids that I have in fifth grade have not been able to practice that skill since the fall of their third grade year. Right. And so that is really damaging to the development of those, those, those social skills. And so we've seen a big improvement 
in how they treat each other. Since the masks have become optional, they don't have to wear them at recess. They don't have to wear them. They can sit with whoever they want in the cafeteria now because we're not doing contact tracing. And so we've seen a big improvement in how they treat each other and how they behave because they can read when somebody is sad. They can read when somebody is angry. And then they can stop themselves before they push harder. In that moment, with the mask on, you can only see their eyes. Maybe you don't pick up on that signal, and the next thing you know, they've said something that's like, you know, almost unforgettable to a 10-year-old. Mm -hmm. So, it's been a... Well, and 10-year-olds also don't... No filters, but also they don't they don't know the the significance and the power of certain words, right? Like, uh, so you get you can get some like vile, racist, sexist, homophobic stuff coming out of these mouths that they, they have no they have no idea what it means. The, the internet. Yeah. Um, I I was listening to um, uh, a, a scholar in black studies, and he was actually talking about. I wasn't talking about black studies. He was talking about um, he likes Halo, or he liked to, liked to play Halo, but he found the Halo community, like the players, so toxic that he stopped. And he's like, I used to watch. He's like, I would watch these videos online for tips on how to be a certain level or you know learn a certain trick. He's like, and the the YouTube algorithm would start shunting me off to like right right wing nonsense. Fortnite is the same way, but it's kids that play. Fortnite. Yeah. And so that's something that, that we've seen as an issue as teachers for a few years now. And it's something that we talk about a lot, right? Like, it's not the game itself. The game is cartoony. Yeah. It's not the game itself. If we were to play the game itself, that would be like Basketball Diaries level stuff. Like, that's ridiculous. Do you, do, don't you remember when Mortal Kombat made me a violent killer? Yeah. But what we're, what we're really seeing, though, it says turn right on Kentucky 70. Got it. Um, but what we're really seeing, though, is that it's all the YouTube stuff that is attached to Fortnite that's the problem. Um, yeah, that Yeah. So that, I mean, that's like, so and that's a big problem. Um, but even, even smaller things than, you know, really racist and homophobic stuff. I mean, like, a couple of years ago, I had a student who called another student trash right but those fighting words yeah man but just that but you could not see could not see how much it upset that student because of the, you know the masks because we were still wearing masks in recess at the time and uh, just could not see that that student was devastated right that student had a single parent and was devastated just by that simple small thing and it's I mean, but being able now to see their whole faces. Uh -huh. Yeah, you get the reaction. You don't. You don't get the anonymity. Right. You don't get the protection. The men, the emotional protection of that. Right. But yeah. It's a big deal. We didn't really. We didn't really realize until we started getting stuff back. We didn't really realize the extent of what we had lost. Uh huh. Do you want to sing? You don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's true. In this. In this case, in particular, like. We knew that we had lost a lot. We just didn't know the full shape of what we had lost until we started to get some of these things back. Okay. Okay, we're here. -ish. We're kind of yeah. You told me to go this way. Yeah, it says that this road turns into Mammoth Cave Parkway. Okay, I'm just gonna follow this Jeep 
showing they're going to the caves because they're in a jeep. Center has a bathroom. 
probably encourage people to go. Take care of your business before, before we go. Getting down into you can't the cave. pee in the cave. Only animals can pee in the cave. And even though you are an animal, you're not that kind of animal. Non-human animals may pee in the cave. Why are these two little carts on the side of the road when there's a bird one right there? I don't know. Maybe they're drug smugglers. I don't know. I mean, we can wildly hypothesize about anything you want. Maybe they're not parked. Maybe they're broke down. I'm not an off-trail kind of person myself. side of the cave that was considered part of the park. Because I've never been to this park. Right. Well, it's a little tricky here, too, because there are a bunch of, like, commercial caves that are not part of state parks, right? Like... Diamond Cavern? Diamond Cavern. Yeah. Okay. So, it it does get a little confusing. Louisville Mega Cavern. Because, you know, limestone equals caves. uh, Right. And bourbon. But, so there are a lot of non-state park caves also. Yeah, nature's like that. Yeah. Except when it's terrifying. There's just so many deadly things out there. (laughs) Well, it's not Australia. No, thank goodness. The Australian bush has got to be the most dangerous place on Earth. Well, Mariana Trench probably not great for human survival. Australia's got, like... Sharks? Sharks. Snakes? Snakes. Giant spiders. Are there scorpions? Yeah. Okay. Kangaroos? Just an enormous number of toxic things. And I grew up in a place with a lot of toxic things. Not far from here. (laughs) Uh, snakes. Snakes. Spiders. Uh, what kind of spiders do you have? Brown recluse? Brown recluse. Nice. And black widows, but mostly brownies. And those are, like, worse because, you know, necrotic tissue. Yeah. Also, I, th- I feel, like, harder to identify. They're tiny. Yeah. Black widows are pretty distinctive. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, snakes for which people do not carry anti-venom. Yeah. <laughs> now, why is that? Um, because... There is no anti-venom. Yeah. Really? Oh. I think for like cottonmouths or something, like there's there's not one. Rattlesnakes, it has to be refrigerated. Like mm. there's all kinds of like issues with that. But I grew up in a place with you know, three poisonous snakes. Two of them the most poisonous like in the United States. Well three's not too many. One I mean, moccasins and cottonmouths. Three snakes can't cover like a lot of ground. Well but water moccasins will like drop into your canoe. But there's only one water moccasin. Right? Three snakes, one water moccasin, one... Yeah, it lives where it went to Girl Scout. Right, just that one. (laughs) 
I mean, snakes from the sky is pretty creepy. Yeah, they will, they'll, like, drop out of, like, like dead trees and stuff that overhang the creek. You have to clear them out really quickly because the snakes will climb up them and, like, drop into your canoe. And you can't swamp your canoe to get away from a water snake because it can swim better than you can. Sure. So you have to try to get out of the canoe without getting the snake in the water. Okay. <laughs> Because uh, the snake is at a disadvantage in the bottom of the canoe. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, when we learned... Okay, so uh, obviously we need to title this episode How to Fight Snakes. <laughs> when, we learned, <laughs> when we learned how to canoe at Girl Scout camp, that was, like, part of the safety drill or whatever, was how to get out of the canoe without swamping the canoe while you're in the middle of the creek in case a snake drops into your canoe. Lovely. Lord, a lot of cars here. Well, I booked a time ticket. Yeah. I, I told you that when I booked it, this was the most popular. Right. Time slot? Time slot, yeah. I mean, it's nice out. Or the second most popular time slot. Two o'clock in the afternoon. Also. Oh, there's a school bus here. Rats. This is the risk you run doing things like zoos and. Yeah. Muhlenberg County. That's not far from. Yeah, I'm gonna follow. They go out and out and see. Yeah. Is there anything under a shade tree? Um, right Nope. Take this one there. Yeah. Okay. Because this might get some shade. Yeah, and we have a. Sunshade? Okay. Uh, phone's going off, so not love you bye, because we're gonna keep hanging out, but, uh, love you bye.